Well, we thank you, Leanne, for that, and I hope you noticed that hello thing again. And right now we're going to have a little bit of a financial update, and we want to just thank you all for your, your giving and putting God first in that way. It just means so much, and uh, there's so much that needs to be done, so much that we feel challenged to do, and uh, we're just so thankful for the support in order to make that all possible, and all the people who have uh, given and put God first so that we can be, even be in this building and the impact that's having in our city. So we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that you have done. Well, I'll tell you what. I am so excited I can hardly stand it. I don't know when I have ever been so energized and thrilled and encouraged in my entire life. Uh, to see how you folks are responding and giving out invitations to people. Uh, it, is, it is phenomenal. And to hear the great stories of what God is doing as a result of you uh, passing out these little invitations and, and what it's doing to cause people to want to find out more. And maybe there will be some times when you won't get an immediate response, but down the road when somebody's going through something, they'll, they'll want to uh, take advantage of it. And so... Uh, one person came up to me this morning, and I've just heard, listen, I've heard enough great stories, and keep them coming because I want to hear them all, but I've heard enough great stories of what God is doing through this invitation thing that I could spend the whole message just talking about that and the benefit that is brought to people in days gone by and how the people were invited out of the blue, didn't even know anything about this place, never been to this place, and then came as a result of the invitation, received Christ, and then were baptized. I mean, there's just all kinds of stories like that that I could share with you this morning. But one that is just new and fresh and off the press that happened this past week, among many others, among many others, is Barry Wasson shared with me this morning that he invited his neighbor. Now, when he passed this invitation to his neighbor that he was there to uh, collect money for cancer or whatever it was, uh, she said to him, thank you, thank you, thank you. Three times, right, Barry? Maybe four times, I don't know, but at least three. And, and she said, I have been waiting for five years for you to invite me to your church. So, Barry, stand up and uh, thank you so much for what you have done and what so many others are joining you in doing. And we just, and it's great to have Pastor Tim here today because Pastor Tim's first sermon here, what is inspiring me to do what we're doing here now, I am seeking to practice what he preached. And so uh, we're glad that everybody is getting in on that, and, uh, and, and it's just wonderful uh, to hear all the great things that uh, people who are young, people who are older, and everybody is doing. Now, um, we're going to have a scripture that is in keeping with the message this morning. It's a little bit lengthy. So we got a great person here to give it the impact that it needs to have. And the reason that we're having this scripture, this particular scripture, it is about a man who if anybody in the Bible or anybody in the whole wide world had a whole lot of things that absolutely did not make any sense whatsoever, it is this man that we're going to read about in the Bible this morning. And he had so many ups and downs. He had this great vision, and then that vision was totally shattered, like it was never possible for it to come to pass. 
and he was put in a pit, and then he was sold into slavery. And so we're going to pick up on the story at that point, and you'll see again these terrible ups and downs that did not make any sense, but then we'll talk about the outcome a little later. Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, and he bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. Joseph était un jeune homme beau et charmant. Au bout de quelques temps, la femme de son maître la remarqua et lui dit, « Viens au lit avec moi. <coughs> »« Jamais, » répondit Joseph. « Mon maître m'a remis l'administration de tous ses biens. » Il me fait confiance et ne s'occupe de rien dans sa maison. Dans la maison, il n'a pas plus d'autorité que moi. Il me n'interdit rien, sauf que toi, parce que tu es sa femme. Alors, comment pourrais-je commettre un acte aussi abominable et péché contre Dieu lui-même? Mais elle continuait quand même à lui faire tous les jours des avances et n'accepta jamais de lui céder. And one day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought here to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left the cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Elle garda la tunique de Joseph près d'elle jusqu'à le retour de son mari. Elle lui raconta la même histoire. « L'esclave hébreu que tu nous amenais s'est approché de moi pour me déshonorer. Mais dès que j'ai crié et appelé, il s'est enfui en abandonnant sa tunique à côté de moi. Lorsque le maître entendit sa femme lui raconter comment Joseph était conduit avec elle, il se mit en colère. Il fit arrêter et enfermer Joseph dans la forteresse où étaient détenus les prisonniers du roi. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was down there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Amen. Thank you so much for that. I'll tell you, it would sure be wonderful to be able to speak French like that. I had a funeral yesterday that was the largest funeral I ever had at Ferguson Knowles, and uh, just about everybody there was French. And, and I stood before them, and I had to apologize. I said, my biggest regret in coming to this city is that I did not learn French 
when I first came here. Now, it helps to have a French father, uh, like, uh, but my, you know, with the name Buckingham, I doubt that anybody could learn French with that kind of a name. But anyway, uh, it is uh, great to see what some other people have gone through and do go through and how God brings them through it. And uh, we've all had our aspirations and our call uh, and, and our cause, and, and it's different strokes for different folks. And there's other, just because I'm a minister, that does not mean that other people would not have the same kind of conviction about what it is they're supposed to do in life or what is there, they're supposed to do in their marriage or their business or, or their family. And have so many times had those hopes dashed. They've had the great dreams and the sun was shining and then the clouds settle in, the storms settle in, and they lose sight of the sun and just wonder, am I ever going to be able to even begin to see happen what I would like to see happen? Nothing is making any sense to all of this. And I, I think of people that I know of right now that are going through some of these things. I think of John, Don and Janet Ingersoll. They just lost their daughter uh, here a few months ago, and now Janet has, got, has held terrible health problems for some time now. She's been back and forth to the hospital with uh, uh, water on her lungs and just having a difficult, difficult time, not only physically but emotionally in many other ways. And it's totally understandable. And Don's father passed away with cancer early in life. And then he's got a brother-in-law who's got cancer right now. And this man was called into ministry and was our district superintendent. And so, so many people have are in things that make no sense at all. I, I think of a man that just talked to me recently who, well, some time ago, talked to me about tithing. Now, some of you may not know what tithing really is. It's giving 10% of your income, giving God the first fruits. And he wondered about that, wanted to know more about it. And so I explained it to him, and he began very diligently and faithfully uh, to follow through and do what he felt God wanted him to do in giving of his tithes. And he just talked to me recently, the other day, in fact, and now it looks like his job is in jeopardy. And so here he was putting God first and, and feeling good about doing all of that, and now it looks like his job is in jeopardy. Does that make sense? Seems like there's so many of these things, and we'll hopefully help us to see how some of these things can make sense, but so much of what we go through in life does not make any sense whatsoever. But let me just say this at the beginning of this message, and just kind of keep this in mind throughout the message. In every terrible setback that any of us ever have to face, there can be, and for God's people, there will be, if they have the faith to believe, the seed of great blessing. The seed. I'm not saying that you're going to see that right away, but the seed is there for great blessing if we believe. Now, Joseph, oh my, I, I, I just can't imagine this poor man. He had a call on him. He had something that he felt came from God that he was to be and do. And then what happens? He gets sold. He gets threatened so that it looked like his life was over. His brothers were so jealous they wanted to kill him. But let me just say this as a fundamental at the beginning to keep in mind throughout this message. Joseph had a forgiving, humble, surrendered, 
obedient, faith-filled spirit. I would say a persevering faith. And I mean a persevering faith. And so that God was able to honor a, a humble, broken, surrendered, forgiving, persevering, obedient faith. And God saw him through all of these things that didn't make any sense whatsoever. And even though nothing seemed to be working out the way he thought and expected it would be working out, in that very difficulty, there was a seed of great blessing. And here's another thing that I want to help us to hear and understand today. As we see it clearly in the life of Joseph, this is not just pie-in-the-sky, sweet, by-and-by stuff that can't, cannot be real in our lives. But as we see it in the life of Joseph, we can all see it in all of our lives as we follow Joseph's pattern of living and integrity and character and love for God and desire to put God first. Because here's what happens. The very setbacks that we face that would seem like it's going to be the end, and it makes no sense, are the very things with the right kind of response, God's way of responding, the very things that can speed us up in getting to where God wants us to be in seeing what he wants to see in our lives. I don't know if you heard that or not, but the best way I know how to illustrate it, I used to have to travel to Indianapolis, Indiana, often because of being on a board, a couple of boards out there. And uh, in the early days, we'd fly to Montreal and then fly to Toronto and then fly to Detroit and then fly to Indianapolis. So four or five leagues in that journey. Now, there's different ways I could have got to Indianapolis. I could have walked, which nobody would ever do, of course. I could have gone by car, did that once, and decided I'd never do that again. I could have gone by train or bus or whatever. But the fastest way to get to Indianapolis was to take all those legs in that journey to get there. And I'm saying to us this morning, the fastest way to seeing God work in our lives may be through the very difficult, terrible setbacks that make no sense if we can be humble and obedient and surrendered and maintain a persevering faith. And sometimes the only thing that we got going for us because of all the devastations that we're dealing with is the vision of what God wants the dream that we had in the beginning and what we were kind of expecting to see happen, but it just wasn't turning out that way because here we are with Joseph. He had several legs in his journey, and one of them, of course, was the leg of terrible rejection. I mean, is there anything that is any more emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically devastating than rejection. Have you been there? When some of the people you trusted the most and some people you uh, had the greatest respect for turn against you. It's an awful feeling. And I'm sure many have been in that boat. And here in Joseph's case, it was his own brothers, uh, for Pete's sakes. I mean, what could be worse? And how in the world could you maintain a vision 
How in the world could you not think this does not make any sense whatsoever when you're in a dungeon waiting to be killed by your brothers, the people of, of all people who shouldn't want to do that? And yet, I believe, as we read here in a lot of the Scripture about here, this whole thing in regard to Joseph, it was because of that persevering faith and that obedience and that surrender that he was propelled and sold into slavery and so that just made it possible for him to go in the next leg of the journey to getting to the ultimate end where he became second in command in Egypt, which is a pretty high and lofty position for somebody with his background. It's unbelievable, really. But this was, this was what his dream was. And so here he is being sold into slavery, and he gets into, and this is where the story picks up that Mark just read to us, in Potiphar's home, and, uh, and so he got through, obviously, this awful devastation of rejection. How do we know he got through that? Because of the way he acted once he got into Potiphar's house. He was such a responsible, uh, such a hardworking, such a dependable person with the right kind of spirit and the right kind of attitude, which is huge, having the right attitude, and attitude of faith. By the way, you've all heard this most likely, but there's three keys to success. Number one is attitude. Number two is just as important as number one, and it's attitude. And number three is just as important as number one and two, and it's attitude. Well, Joseph had an attitude of faith and obedience. And as a result of that, Potiphar totally trusted him. You can see through people that can be trusted, and you can see through people who can't be trusted. Joseph could be trusted because of his character. And it's quite obvious that he was a person of character when he was in the worst time. And here's another setback for him to be tempted at the most vulnerable time in his life by Potiphar's wife who wanted Joseph to sleep with her and kept after him to do that. And yet he kept resisting and said, how could I do such a terrible thing in the sight of my God? And so because of his love for the Lord, it's, again, he's a person of character, you see. And that's the person, that's the kind of person that can go through the difficulties that don't make sense and get out to the other end and be victorious. And so then, worse than that, the thing that happened next was here he was put in prison falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of him trying to seduce her when that is not what happened at all. And it looked as though he was going to languish in prison for the rest of his life. And yet, God worked through that to use that as another leg in the journey. We'll say Montreal to Toronto or Toronto to Detroit to speed him up and get him closer to seeing his dream fulfilled. Because Joseph had what very few people can easily have, and some never do have, which is a spirit of forgiveness in a situation that is so, so unjust. And we've all been victims of injustices. You don't get through life without that happening. And it's what we do with it that is going to make the difference as to whether we're stuck right where we are and never see the light of day in regard to what God wants us to be and do 
and what we had hoped to see happen, or we're able to go on in the next leg of the journey. Rod Wasson and his family have gone through unbelievable setbacks recently, and I just thought it would be good for you to hear from him concerning his spirit in all of this. Uh, for those of you who know me, I'm a naturally optimistic guy. To me, the glass is always half full. I've been that way all my life. I love to laugh and make others laugh as well. I guess you could call me a bit of a wingnut. <laughs> <laughs> However, for quite some time now, I'm here to tell you it's been pretty tough to maintain that outlook. Uh, when Pastor Mike uh, approached me that Pastor Buckingham wanted me to give a brief testimony, I was quite hesitant to do so. Uh, my wife, Tony, are really quite private people when it comes to anything concerning our struggles that we're facing. And it's kind of ironic that over the years that we've helped out countless friends and family members. But when it comes to ourselves, we always just seem to keep it between the two of us. However, I decided to speak for a couple of different reasons. First, I've got so much respect for uh, Pastor Buckingham, what he's done for this church and for his people over the years. And yes, he's always been there for my family in so many different ways, so how could I say no? Besides, he's a hard man to say no to. Secondly, I strongly felt that I wanted to share today just uh, what's been going on because if it encouraged one person sitting out there, to me, it would be worth it. Uh, I've told a few close people that I guess I've been in what's called a season of sorrow. About six years ago, our niece Sylvie, who had just moved to Moncton, found out at the age of 36 she had cancer. My wife, Tony became her primary caregiver, and there was a painful journey of radiation and chemo, as I'm sure many of you out there today have experienced. Her battle ended sadly on January 12th at the age of 40. And right in the middle of Sylvie's struggle, we found out her mom, Tony's sister, Janine, also had breast cancer. So now my wife was trying to be caregiver to both my niece and her sister. And it broke our hearts when Janine passed away three weeks after Sylvie on February the 12th. And... Just a few months ago, believe it or not, Tony's other sister, Evelyn, who lives in Dalhousie, found out that she too has breast cancer, and her treatments are ongoing as we speak. And besides dealing with the crushing grief of losing Janine and Sylvie and worried about Evelyn, my own, my, my Tony, has been coping with unrelenting pain for over seven months, and the doctors can't find out what's wrong. She's lost over 75 pounds, and she's in misery every day. Now, I think if I brought this tale to a publisher for a book idea, he would laugh me out of his office as not being believable, because I find it hard to believe myself. Recently, someone commented, a well-meaning person on my Facebook page, that I must be angry at God for what's going on, and that my family didn't deserve to be going through this misery. I responded that nothing could be any further from how I felt. Have I felt anger? Yes, at the situation. Have I been discouraged? You have no idea. Have I wondered why? Oh, yes. I've had some pretty frank discussions with God. 
But for these exact reasons, I'm so thankful that God has been with me and with Tony and with my entire family throughout this. And you know what? Believe it or not, there have been many blessings from God that I've received throughout this ordeal. Believe it or not. And here's just a few. Going through this has drawn me so much closer to God. I feel his presence in ways that I've never felt before. I've become closer to my wife, Tony, as I've become her primary caregiver to someone who's cared for so many people. It has caused me to love her deeper than I ever thought possible. It's become a testimony to my extended family, many of whom aren't even churchgoers. I've had opportunities to share with them that regardless of what's going on, I've got a peace in the midst of the storm. It's made me a more compassionate person when I hear of other people going through a rough time. I'm more quick now to help out in any way I can. And you know, I've never really knew the true power of prayer until now. We've had so many people tell us that they're praying for us. As a matter of fact, maybe, maybe some of you might know Mark Welch, used to be pastor of this church. He called me up out of the blue yesterday and prayed with me from California in my car. In summary, I stand today as a man in need of prayers for my family, especially my wife, Tony. But I also stand before you today and proclaim that regardless of what life throws at us, I will always say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. That's the Joseph spirit. That's a spirit of a surrendered heart that has been this way for as, almost as long as I have known you. That is the spirit of somebody who believes all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. That's the spirit of somebody who's had, who has practiced a relationship with God that now stands him in good stead, he and his family. And as I see Joseph, he suffered this terrible injustice and was thrown in prison for something he didn't do. But here is what I think got him out of that mess and helped propel him to becoming second in command in Egypt. And it's in the 50th chapter and beginning at the 15th verse, the 50th chapter of Genesis. The brothers who now were in a famine and they needed to go to Egypt to get help from Joseph. They were starving. Their families were starving. And so... Here's what they said as they thought of going to see Joseph. They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? You, you could understand that. A lot of things are understandable but not justifiable. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. 
I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God, your father. When their message came to him, when the message came to Joseph, what did he do? He wept. He wept. There's no grudge there. A total spirit of forgiveness. And that was a spirit that prevailed throughout this whole ordeal that propelled him now to be in the place that he was in. He could have had a spirit of resentment and anger. And, and when you think of the and just languish in, in prison for so long, and yet God had a way of getting him out of there. And, and yet he did not know that and could have been there for the rest of his life as far as he was concerned. And so could have had every reason to be bitter. But because of what he had practiced, he thought the right way. And then what does the Scripture say? And this is, this is the crux of it all. His brothers came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intend to harm me. But God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, saving many lives. And here's what I'm saying to us this morning. This is when things begin to make sense. When we are so reliant on Him, we have a forgiving spirit, an obedient spirit, a faith-filled spirit, a humble spirit, a surrendered spirit, then what does God want to do? He wants to take those negative things that are happening in our lives, those setbacks that make no sense, those terrible things that cause such pain and frustration, and he's wanting to use those as the fastest vehicle, the fastest way to get us from where we are to seeing what we need to see and what he wants us to see. And everything we want to see may not be what he wants us to see, but he has a plan. And if we can stay certain, we'll see the plan, and we'll be able to look back, and we'll be able to clearly see what made no sense whatsoever now makes sense. Devil, you meant it for evil. But God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You meant it for good. But the key here is thinking the right thoughts, thinking God's thoughts, thinking His way, not our way. That's a big stretch for some people. Because here's what the Scripture says in Romans 2, the first part of that verse, do not conform to the pattern of this world. When you're being influenced by the thinking and the stinking thinking of this world, it is very easy to conform. But we can't do that. Because it goes on to say, but be transformed. That's a key word. We can be transformed in our heads, which will help us in our hearts and in our emotions and in our actions. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you don't get that mind renewed by what God wants you to think and how he wants you to think, then you'll not be able to act the way you want to act and the way you should act because the way we think determines how we feel. 
And if you're not feeling good, you're not going to have the creativity that is necessary to do the things that are necessary to get you to where you need to go. Because all those bad thoughts are holding you back from having what you need in order to go forward. So the way you think determines the way you feel. The way you feel determines the way you act. And if you want to change something, start with your thoughts. Having the right attitude again. Not your actions or not your feelings. Because if you start with actions and feelings and the thoughts are not right, you're going to go right by, back to the old actions. If you're feeling depressed, most likely you're thinking depressed thoughts. Thoughts feed the feelings, good or bad. Thoughts are food. Good thoughts produce good feelings. Bad thoughts produce bad feelings. Faith thoughts determine our attitude towards the whole thing. And it will be an attitude of continued surrender and continued obedience and continued faith and continued forgiveness, no matter how awful the setback may be. And then it all begins to make sense. A number of years ago, things were not moving along here as quickly as we hoped and had prayed for and believed for. And I felt like the dream was being undermined. I told you about the terrible setback that I had, and I wondered if my ministry was over here, in fact, because of that setback. And, and of course, that was stinking thinking on my part. But that's the emotion of everything got a hold of me until I got my head together and began to think the right thoughts and began to realize how deep the call was that God had, had called me to. And, and so I, I got back on track and started doing things. This only lasted for less than a week, what I'm talking about, but I started going on just as though it was going to happen, what needed to happen. And, uh, and we were not getting any cooperation from this newspaper, the Moncton Times and Transcript, everybody, everywhere I'd ever been before. And newspapers had always cooperated, wanting to publish articles about what was going on. This newspaper would not publish one thing, even though we spent thousands in advertising, not expecting that, we would, that they should do that because of that. But at the same time, you'd think they would have a little consideration. And, and so here's what I concluded as I talked to our leadership. I said, the day that the Moncton Times and Transcript publishes anything good about this church will be the day that they do it spontaneously without being asked. And I decided I was never going to ask again because it didn't do any good. If they decide to spontaneously publish something about what's going on in this church, I will know that that is the day that the dream that God has called us to is beginning to be fulfilled. Later on, I got a call when I was outside the city saying, Pastor, you won't believe it. We're on the front page of the newspaper. And I'm thinking, man, a lot. And, and now let me just tell you. And we were in the paper before a big event that we had over at the Coliseum. Before that event transpired, they had stories about what was being planned and what was going on that was worth tens of thousands of dollars in advertising on the, in the paper five different times and sometimes on the front page of the paper. And, and uh, now here's, here's, the, here's the part that I need to make clear. That would never have happened if I hadn't had that devastating experience back there. I'm not going to go into the details about that, but that would never have happened because because of that devastating experience, it made way for other things to happen 
that made it possible for us to see this great thing happen that was heard, talked about all over across the nation because of the significance of this Easter extravaganza that would never have happened if I hadn't gone through what I went through in that devastation. And so, I'm saying to us this morning, God wants to take those terrible setbacks that don't make sense. For sure they don't make sense. And the only way these things can make sense is if our lives are in His hands. And we are seeking to fulfill his purpose. In Proverbs 20, 30, the scripture says, Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Joseph went from the pit to the prison to the palace. And when our lives are in his hands, we can go from the prison of pain to the prison, the prism of praise. Hallelujah. Amen, it is. It's a Bible. <laughs> and so, our brother that may lose his job, how's God going to get him a better job if he doesn't lose the job he has? He'll never do that on his own. You see how that works? Now, I'm not saying that's the way it's going to work in this case. But I'm just saying, I've known so many people who've come crying to me, I've lost my job. I said, well, how would God ever get you out of that to get you a better job? And over and over and over again, it has happened. The very setback has propelled them into something that is much better to the glory of God. So I'm saying to us this morning, if you're here and you haven't begun on that journey, maybe the painful process that you're in right now, so that things can make sense, is for you to see the great benefit of being a child of God and serving Him. And I'm believing here this morning that this very morning is going to be a morning of incredible change in a lot of lives.